Well, you know what? I didn't give a testimony. I should have, and I'm very thankful that the Lord has allowed me to struggle in this way with these scriptures now for about 45, almost 46 years, living a life unto Him through Christ. And so one thing that Bruce has always said, make sure that you know the scriptures, you've struggled with it for many, many years. And so, as you know, he needs to focus on his family right now. And so I came up with a four-part series about living life through Christ. And so um, one of the first, let me take a breath, getting up here even now, can be anxiety provoking, so I'm amongst family, I'm good, I live life with all of you, um, so you just have to remind yourself when you take that step and you continue to teach, um, even Bruce has said he still gets anxious, which is interesting, you never see it, but he does, he says he still does that, and I've also heard that of Billy Graham as well. <clears throat> okay, the first youth um, thing I went to with uh, summer camp, there you go, summer camp, was focused on life. Laheim, right? Haim is life, Hebrew for life. And so you always hear it in the movies, Laheim, to life, to life. And so today I'm going to focus on three passages of scripture. And one of the reasons um, I noticed when I was preaching a few weeks ago, I was all over the place, and I remember Darissa a few years ago, she said, Trevor, focus on two, maybe three passages of Scripture, and talk about that. God will work through that, because I noticed you try to go back and forth. And so, I've learned through that, um, and then I still test it every once in a while, and sure enough, I'll, I'll do seven or eight passages that day, and I realized she's right, focus on two or three passages. So, we're going to do that. <clears throat> However, the, um, living life is not easy. If you have a family, and I come from a very big family, there's going to be arguments. There's going to be happiness. There's going to be sorrows. We go through these phases called life. And so, in the same way as a congregation, we come together. And I would say we're in that first generation of life together as a disciple center. And sometimes we are going to struggle with life with one another. However, <clears throat> we do need to always make sure. I, I would love this. I don't know about you. But I would love this if I came to Christ and then all of a sudden he gave me a pair of glasses. And I, they were like rose color or this really brightens things up. Just as the scripture brightens life up. If I could see everybody and their actions through these lenses and go, don't worry about it. I see what you really intended, right? <clears throat> We're supposed to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. So again, um, I am so thankful that God gave me the ability to break this down into a four-part series. This is the introduction. We will get into the other parts in the weeks ahead. <clears throat> However, let's look on how we are to live life with one another. And I know I'm going to come to the passage of Scripture that I focus on in John 15, but the first thing I always wondered was, Jesus said He gave us a new commandment. Did He really give us a new commandment? 
Well, let's look at the, what the Torah says in Leviticus 19.18. Living life as well, you start to need these readers. <coughs> and that's just part of Hein. Leviticus 19.18 says, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. That's the golden rule in so many public schools today. Love. Show, treat others the way you want to be treated, right? They, they've taken that and made that their own, but yet, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is a golden rule amongst many today. However, society is changing, and the rules are changing, and evil is becoming good, and the good becoming evil. So we need to teach our children where these values come from. We need them to have these glasses, per se, because they're going to need them even more. As the world gets darker, they need these glasses to brighten their way. They need to know these scriptures because they could be taken away from them in the split second. <clears throat> All right. So we have the Torah passage. Now, let's look at what Yeshua says and what this passage today is based on. John fifteen, twelve through 17. And again, switching over to my readers. <clears throat> it says, This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Okay, that sounds very familiar to what the Torah said. However, Jesus goes even beyond that. He says, Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, I can do that. I can do that without getting killed for my neighbor. But greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Jesus always takes it another step. He's like, Hey, you want to be from me? Go that extra step. It goes on to say, You are my friends if you do what I command you. He not only calls you his disciples, he's now calling you his friends. I know if my friends were taking my name and using it and throwing it around, I would take it personally. He will correct us, right? We know that from the scriptures as well. But he calls us his friends. Have you ever thought about Jesus saying, You're my friend? No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Get that. People hate this passage whenever they want to say that we have a choice. He chose you. The scripture is plain and clear that he chose you. That should humble you above anything else. That he took you to become his friend. And whenever I'm dealing with 5th and 6th grade girls that are very mean to each other, and you guys know I'm a mental health therapist, in the public school system, and it's hard to make friends, and it says that Jesus is taking us, he chose you, he chose me. And we have to live out his commands. 
Okay, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. I'll get to verse 17 in just a minute. That your fruit will remain. Is that not the prayer that we all desire for our kids? We don't ever want our kids to go their own way. We want them to stay within these boundaries, within these guidelines that the Scripture has given to us and that we must follow. These are the glasses that we must follow. If we get outside, these glasses don't work. Listen, those boundaries are there for a reason. We all flourish under boundaries and guidelines. He gives to you so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give to you, that your kids won't wander away. If they're watching you, living out these commands, this I command you, that you love one another. Listen, that is not easy. In the ver- ver- uh, chapter 13, verse 34 and 35 of John, it says a new commandment. He's repeating it here too. That's why John is known as the love disciple. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men and women will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. To the point of death is what he says there. That's not easy. Walking in this life for somebody that you may not agree with, that you may not get along with, but you still are commanded to love, that's hard. I don't know about you, but I ha- like I said, I have a large family, and there were a few times me and my cousin actually got into fist fight. That wasn't loving, but that was family. Guess what happened the next week? We were just fine. Why? Partly because we're boys, right? Girls, it's going to take a little bit harder, and you have to correct them even more, because they they will they will. I, I swear, I'd much rather be in a fist fight than in a word fight with girls, because they are mean and harsh, and it goes straight to the core. Am I right? The biggest, hardest muscle to tame is the tongue. We have to learn. If we're going to walk according to the scripture in these glasses, these rose-colored glasses, we have to walk life with people that we're not going to always get along with, but we must love them. Why? Because Yeshua said we must. And that's just life. All right. <clears throat> Again, Jesus calls us to a higher calling. Matthew five forty-three through 48 says, Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. I don't know about you, but I do not want to pray for those who persecute me. I want God's wrath to be upon them. Right? Ask, O Lord, let me be your hand of vengeance. But that's not what we're to do. We are to pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. No words sometimes burn much more than a harsh word. That's even somewhere in the scriptures. And I love being able to say it's somewhere in the scriptures. Hebrews was just read today and it said somewhere in the scriptures. I love how Fiddler on the Roof refers to, well, somewhere in the good book. 
So somewhere in the scriptures, it talks about that. All right. So, love your neighbor as yourself. We're going to put these glasses on, and we're going to view what's going on through the scriptures itself. All right. I did tell them 20 to 30 minutes, right? Because I'm moving along, and I'm already on the second page, two pages out of two. So, here we go. John, 1 John 3, through 24. I chose this passage because it gives us a little bit more on what it means to love. Dang it. God's Word tells us a little bit more about that love. Gives us more responsibility on how to act on that love that He's talking about. And again, I'll remind you, John is called the disciple of love. So we read him here again in verse 11 of chapter 3. For this is a message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the evil one and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Hmm. His brother was walking around with these glasses on, right? He could see what God wanted him to do. He gave a good offering. Cain he was not walking around with love towards his brother. He killed him. He walked in evil. Alright. Picking up in 13. Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. We already know. We're starting to see that now. They're telling preachers that they can't preach on what God's Word actually says. They're starting to hate the Word. They're pastors in Canada that are being persecuted for preaching the Word of God. So don't, don't be surprised if they hate you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Hmm. He who loves abides in death. Cain's brother abided in love. He died. Cain abided in death. He killed his brother. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. That passage, we talk about what Bruce has always said, about knowing a certain thing a pastor says, or a certain passage here. This passage where it says, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. That stokes in me the Matthew 5 passage where Jesus is talking and he's given the um, Beatitudes, but he goes on even further saying, um, you know that the rabbis have told you anybody who murders shall be, um, shall be uh, liable to the court, but I say to you, anyone who hates his brother shall be liable to the court. Again, Jesus raises the bar. He doesn't change it. He raises the bar. What do we want for our kids? We want our kids to know the Scripture even more. We want them to raise the bar for themselves and for us. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need 
and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? You have these colored glasses on. You see what God wants you to do, and yet you won't do it. How are we supposed to say we know God's word and are willing to do it? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but the deed and truth. We will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our heart before him. And whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, our heart does not condemn us. We have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. This is His commandment that we believe in the name of His Son, Yeshua, and love one another just as He commanded us. The one who keeps His commandments. Let me clarify for you. His commandments aren't just in the Gospels and in the Epistles. It's in the Torah. From the beginning, He was with God. When He created the whole earth earth and world, He was with God. His commandments are is a Torah. He raises the bar and says, this is how you're supposed to do it. He came here and raised the bar by showing us how to do it. And the only way we can fulfill that and do our part is by living in the Holy Spirit and following out as much as we can. That's why we struggle to live out our faith with our brethren. The one who keeps His commandments abides in Him and He in Him. We know by this that He abides in us, by the Spirit whom He has given us. Plain and simple, we need the Spirit. I have an example here. All right. So, I have all these rocks, and I was thinking about this. And believe it or not, my family is a lot like a rock. We're stubborn and hard and don't really want to do very much. So, however, to build my family, do I really want to try to balance everything? Do you think I could build very much upon that rock? You think it would be easy to put this rock here and balance on that, Anna? No? Pretty hard, huh? Even if I put it down like this, it's just going to roll off, right? So I need a foundation rock. Who's that foundation supposed to be? It's supposed to be Christ himself. And if a family will build upon a foundational rock of Christ in the scriptures, they can start to build upon that. We still struggle, and our children, all these are bigger rocks, and our kids are small rocks. Believe it or not, our kids are probably born very smooth like this. But because of the family that they grow up in, and because of their experience, they get a little bit more jaded, and so are we when we come into a faith of Christ, but He starts to use us. And we, he can start to build. It's funny to me because I see these guys when I've done marital counseling and they say, look, I'm, I'm actually 
the spiritual leader. We need to build upon what I say. And I thought, ooh, you're kind of dangerous here. So you're not going to build on the Christ rock. You're kind of over here, if you ask me. You're still young and stupid, <clears throat> if you will. And you, you don't have any foundation. And you want your wife to build on you? You're just going to keep falling off. But if you actually build upon the rock, a family can start their foundation. Our family in the Disciples Center is based upon Christ. And there's many, many rocks and many, many people that can start to do several different things. The funny thing is, now that I'm doing this in front of you, I'm thinking, well, there's Christ rock. This was Bruce, and we were all around here. We weren't even building. We were starting to struggle when we were much younger. 20-something years ago, we were just listening to what he was saying. And then, surely, slowly, we started to build the Disciple Center. And things started to work together. And our children start to listen. <clears throat> Maybe sometimes we have to shift things around. Because people go on vacation. Right? But believe it or not, God has a place for each and every one of us. And there's responsibility that goes with it. And He can use us as a family that's working together. But some of those jagged edges are going to come through tough times and tough conversations. And that's the only way that we can start to smooth each other out sometimes. <clears throat> the series that I've been working on by building upon the rock of God and the scriptures of God will bring us to going through filtering things through sorrowful times. We've done that through the Disciple Center. Times of, um, during, times of correction. Interesting enough, Silas just said it last week. He has his friends that he surrounds himself with that will correct him when he's wrong. We have to have a heart of humble attitude and being willing to hear others correct us. And that's not easy. And then... I'm going to talk about, and this is the best part, we grow the most when we're standing inside the boundaries and following God's rules. It's good and encouraging. We will have those encouraging times. And so we have to take those times of encouragement. I tell people this all the time in counseling. Listen, whenever somebody's doing something wrong, a little kind word, um, and God's word tells us how to correct somebody, and we'll look at that, but a little kind word will help their trajectory. And when it's good time and everybody's doing well, maybe you can look back and have a real good conversation. Because sometimes when they're in that sin or they're struggling with that piece, that's not a good time to always point it out. So you have to learn as a family how to communicate. And that's a big piece too. And trust me when I say the Disciple Center, we ha I like having a smaller group because you can become more personal in that way. But at the same time, correction is never easy. It's hard. And so, some things have to be moved around at different times. My final thought here. We are an imperfect people. Called into...
perfection and love through our Master Yeshua. Transformed by the Holy Spirit, we will struggle, but the goal is to move forward in love, in light, and in life. Lahaim. We struggle together so that our children will elevate it even more in their life ahead. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for this family that you 